This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Massachusetts. Mike, how you doing? That felt right. Why didn't we just do that from the start? That felt that smooth, kind of yeah, felt, I like that. felt good. Um, Steve, i got a problem. What's that? Uh, my little guy started walking recently, and he's a walking machine. Today we were eating dinner, and he was kind of just like walking around the table, and he walked into the kitchen area for a second... And I heard him kind of like rummaging around and he comes back around the corner and he just walks back to me holding an empty Miller light can just walking towards me holding it. I'm like, Oh boy, oh, oh boy, we got, we, we got issues. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know what I, what I'm supposed to like lesson or what I'm supposed to take from that, that, uh, moment, but that's, that's what happened. Mm, yeah. Well, he's got it in his blood, Mike. And as always, at the House of Meg, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I'm doing pretty well. I had a couple like intros planned out here of how I was going to start this off. I don't know how I follow that, though. Mike's little <laughs> Mike's kid is carrying him. I don't know if he's bringing you the Miller Lite because he's like, oh, dad doesn't have Miller Lite. And he always has a Miller Lite. That's kind of <laughs> how I picture it. And so it's just weird to see you without the Miller Lite. I think Steve <laughs> told a funny story a while back where his kid was like making noises when he was standing up because that's what dad does. <laughs> and now <laughs> so Steve goes, oh, when he stands up and Mike's kid. Good is bringing the Miller lights. Like, well, I mean, it no, was empty, I, I, so you didn't do a very good job. I know. Well, he's, he's, how old is, is Joe? He's like a year old now. Almost. Uh, maybe, maybe he's figuring out whether to give you the full or the empty one. So maybe he drank it. Maybe that was, that was the maybe. joke there. But I, I like to think that dad usually has Miller light in his hand. He doesn't. I'm going to bring him the Miller light so that, that he can have the light or I can be like that and hold Miller lights too. So um, I'll just, I'll just bring like further that. attention to these great points that you're bringing up as my intro. <laughs> well, yeah, I, uh, so I have like a, um, uh, a water bottle that I, you know, I kind of drink throughout the whole day and, uh, my, my young, so my, my kids call me pop and, uh, they, my youngest, whenever he sees my big blue water bottle, he points at it and he goes, pop. I'm like, yep, that's my water bottle. And the other day, there was a uh, a can of Miller Lite on the table, and it just goes pop. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that was mine from last night. <laughs> you guys are gonna be the greatest, you know, the the Thanksgiving. Everyone's at the table, you don't have to get up. The kids just gonna bring you the Miller Lights. It's just gonna be a a nice dynamic you have going on there. <laughs> well, we uh, we it, this has been too long. We've well, I won't say too long, but uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've we've run the Indianapolis Marathon. We haven't See, we been probably, able. To... We probably needed a little bit of time. We, did. we, we did. probably needed a little time away from each other, and you know, a little bit of a break. Yeah, we we just it's been it's been a crazy couple weeks. We haven't been able to get together and record. Um, but we need to break down everything that went on. I mean, this was a a year in the making for us. It was a it was a crazy weekend, um, you know. It's it, for some of us it didn't go as planned, but it was a it was a ton of fun. Um, I don't even know where to start. I mean, where 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 should we start with this? I mean, we I think from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning. 
Yeah, we 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 flew into well, so the whole week leading up, and you can you can go back, and I'm I'm gonna start the excuse train early and often here, but you can go back to the to our our pre race podcast, and I sounded sick, but the whole week leading up to it, I was you know I wasn't feeling great, but I was starting to feel better, but I was obsessively looking at the weather, and the weather was all over the place. It was like 75 and humid at one point, and it landed at the morning of it landed at right around you know starting at 50 going to end in the mid 60s rainy but 50 mile per hour winds and the reason we went there is like the past i mean how many years have has it has the indian marathon been going it's been going like seven eight years something like that Mm -hmm. um it's had like perfect you know 40 degree weather so you know it was a little like i don't know it was a little sad just being like damn like this was supposed to be like the perfect day and it was just like okay you know the the mental battle was kicking the crap out of me the whole week at it and you know the day before it's just like okay you just gotta accept it is what it is and we gotta go out there and and we gotta run so i mean landing in indy and just kind of be like oh god this is this is not gonna be good that that first night there was a tough night i you know i i kind of had a the the mental struggles so well the the worst part is is like you look at the forecast for the New York City Marathon, which was the following day. And it was just like perfect weather. And we flew all the way out to in India. Well, we very easily could have gone to New York City much well, easier. New York was New York was warm, but I was gonna say it ended up being hot there. Yeah, New York was okay. warm, but but we were we were kind of like for a little while they were debating between India and Chicago. And Chicago was a perfect day. And so you saw everybody go out there, have fun run a run a pr it was just a perfect day in chicago and then it was just like oh then we get shit weather in indy and you know you know the forecast is bad you know if if steve had like a eye and ear infection and his biggest concern about the race yeah. was the forecast and not as like you know massive illness he had leading up to it what i, I wasn't anticipating um using you know the intro to this story to just shit on the indianapolis marathon but while we're at it can we talk about the start line of this race? Dude. Dude. This, well, let, let, let's get What a there. mess. Right, we we just, well, skipped ahead. We just, yeah. Well, it's just like it was on my mind. I'm like, well, while we're bitching. Right like... to, you, skipped right, you skipped right to the meat and potatoes there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, we kind of all made our way in and we checked in the Airbnb. It was a nice Airbnb right downtown uh, Indy above a bar um, in a little bit of a battle with yeah, – <laughs> I'm just going to – in a little bit of a battle with uh with the with the Airbnb owner right now, so I'm not gonna say anything nice about the Airbnb, but it was the location was good. And, sorry, uh, I spilled my smoothie. You, yeah, you spilled okay. the smoothie. Sorry, on the couch. sorry, I spilled my smoothie on in, on the couch. Um, we did the we did the expo. We did the the junk science. Got our number. Uh, our friend of the program, uh, Brant from uh, Bell Lap Track and Field, picked us up, brought us to the grocery store. We were able to fully stock. The Airbnb with all the uh, the stuff we needed for groceries. We made a nice big chicken and pasta dinner the night before, and we we, we didn't make that. Stephen is his lovely wife Aaron made that, and it was everybody. phenomenal, phenomenal we dinner. Whipped up a little uh, pre race pre race meal, and you know we kind of settled in, and uh, we watched we watched the movie the night before, and you know I think the the busted open a bottle of wine. Yeah, the pre-race went as, you know, as as tough as a day it was going to look the next day. I think, you know, the pre-race day went as well as it could have gone. 
I think the movie is important. We watched uh, yeah. the fighter to fire up the Lowell guys. Uh, it That's was right. classic. We were able to ask Steve, you know, what what mile on his long run the song that was playing. Because if you guys will remember, Steve listens to the fighter uh, soundtrack <laughs> on his long run. So the song would come on and be like, Steve, what mile? And he could say mile six. So uh, it, it was, you know, you probably could have guessed, guessed it if you're loyal listeners to the podcast here that uh, the Dender brothers wanted to throw on the fighter the night before. You had never song. seen it before, though. No, no, I had seen it. My, my lovely fiance, Megan. Oh. I've seen it multiple times. Yeah, my lovely fiance, Megan, had not seen it. And so, you know, she knows you guys. But if she didn't, she'd probably be wondering, why are they watching a boxing movie the night before, you know, the marathon? Where is where is the Prefontaine movie type of situation going on? But uh, it was very fitting for the group we had out there. It was a lot of fun. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, any 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 uh, pre-race uh, comments anybody needs to make before we, we get into to race day? No, I think, like you said, it was a perfect pre-meet day. felt like uh, the dinner kind of felt like a little bit like high school pasta pasta dinner before the, the big meet. Uh, vibes were good. We kept it normal like we always talk about everyone. I think everyone had at least one drink, had one Miller Lite, one glass of wine, just trying to keep it normal, trying to stay relaxed and... Uh, I think everyone went to bed feeling feeling pretty good. Steve was, uh, yeah, you were definitely checking the weather. That was definitely on, on on your mind. But I was like, uh, give me one degree cooler. Give me one degree cooler. Come on, oh. baby. Come on. Well, and then you got into your bed, and your bed was broken. Oh, my bed was broken. So my wife <laughs> and I had to sleep on bunk beds the night before, <laughs> which actually they they weren't bad. You had a, like a little cocoon set up going there. They had a curtain, so the bed wasn't super comfortable. But I actually I had my own little like, you know you know, dark little cocoon that I could kind of doze off in. So it wasn't terrible. I had a little light and a little plug for my phone right there in the top. So, um, you know, you're hey, not hey, going to, no, you're not going to no get good. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm trying to say no good things about the Airbnb. I had to cut you no off. You're saying yeah. too many That's compliments right. about right. this Airbnb. Yeah. But you know, I, I always kind of the night before big race, I always kind of accept the fact that I'm not going to get good sleep. So, you know, the, I try to get as much good sleep the week leading up to it, but just kind of, I'm, I'm always too anxious the night before a race. I just kind of accept that it's not, you know, maybe if I get a few hours, it'll be good, but it's just not going to happen tonight. So, um, but yeah, so we wake up the morning of the race and, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're getting ready. People are slowly waking up, getting the coffee going a little bit of, you know, kind of pre-race, uh, nutrition going on. We throw on Super Bowl 49. Cause you gotta, you gotta watch some Tom Brady highlights before you head out to a marathon. I mean, that's just if you're not doing that, you're doing it wrong. Um, and yeah, we head out to the start. And the thing about Indianapolis, it's it's the all the way, it's the furthest like point uh, uh, west in the time zone. So you wake up and it's like by the race goes off at eight o'clock, but it's pitch dark out at eight o'clock. Um, so it's it's pitch dark. We're heading out there. The rain's coming down, and the starting line was an absolute and total shit show. Um, you know, I am very disappointed in the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Marathon and the organization of the friggin' start. You gotta, you gotta walk so far to get to the start, and it, and you're like at the start, but you're being funneled in this tiny little area to walk around the barrier and get put in your corral. And people are like jumping over the barriers. They're they're ripping them apart so they can squeeze in. And listen, Indianapolis Marathon, 
you have done a good job as marketing yourself to the faster runners, the people that are looking to run a, a PR or looking to get a BQ, even an OTQ. Like you've done a good job in marketing yourself as a fast marathon, as a marathon where people can go there to run a fast time. Um, but if you do that, you need to do a better job of breaking up those front groups. Because as far as I know, Corral A, quote unquote, Corral A was everybody that put a time, you know, their predicted finish time from 240 to 340. And that's a wide, you know, spread group of, of runners. And, you know, I, I did my best to try and make it up like, you know, three quarters of the way up Corral A, but I probably didn't even get that far. But, you know, I'm looking to get with people that are running my pace. And I don't want to have to like juke and jive and and try to run around people at the starting line. Like the gun went off and a half mile into the race, there's there's three people walking, right? There's three people. You're you're walking in in the first half mile of a marathon and you're in quote unquote corral A. So it's like and then I didn't get I didn't get with anybody. I didn't find three hour pace group until maybe mile 14. So it's like you got to do a better job of that. Like that was just I I am so turned off on the Indianapolis Marathon just on the starting line alone. Yeah, we we were behind you because we uh, went to the bathroom or something like that. So you went to the start line and Trent and I went over a little bit later. And we were getting pretty pretty close to race time, and we had no idea where we were going. There was no like signage, no nothing. We were just like kind of following the crowd, being like, "Hey, are we going the right way?" And people would be like, "I, I don't know. I th- I'm just kind of like following the crowd." Honest to God, I it shouldn't be hard to figure out how to get into the crowd. We didn't know where we were going to the point where we were five minutes away from the race, and we were with uh, Chris who was trying to run a fast time. So he's like, screw this. I'm just like going over. So he jumped over the barrier to get into the corral. Cause he's like, I'm not wasting any more time looking for how to get into this thing. Finally, me and Trent found like this little, uh, you know, slot to squeeze into. Nobody checked our bib. Nobody cared. Like we could have been in group E, which I think my initial bib was group E. So I could have been like a six plus hour marathoner and just, you know, walked right into the crowd and started right there. So the the organization was not good. I, I loved how relaxed it was, right? So I was at Chicago to watch my fiance run in Chicago, even go to the expo the day before. There's a security check. You got to get, you know, wait in this massive line. It's this whole big thing. You go and pick up your bag and, and your bib number at Indy within like five minutes you walk in now they're very chill mike and i wanted to get into corral a so we could run with steve and chris um they ask you you know have you run uh you got to show me a time you have to show me some sort of evidence that you're a corral a type of runner i showed i didn't know what corral a was i didn't know how fast you had to be turns out it was it was you know 330 whatever it was but i showed a marathon from like four or five years ago that i had run i was like hey does this count they didn't even look at it they gave it to me I'm like then what did you end up showing them did you I, show them anything i scrolled my strava i was like look at this <laughs> yeah. i did a, i did a long run at 720 pace is that good enough he's like oh yeah that's fine <laughs> he could have showed anybody's strava to get in there yeah. so i mean that part was kind of endearing i enjoyed how easy it was however that needs to stop when you get to the starting line because starting line was a shit show as uh, mike and steve have said just to add a little bit of a, a more detail to the story of, of uh, the littlest Gendron who was uh, ended up hopping the barrier to get into a fast group because he just wanted to make sure he's in a good starting spot. We asked 
I think there was a guy there who was working the start, right? He was a yellow jacket working yep. the start. And and Chris is like, hey, like I'm trying to get in. Where's the start? Like, can I just jump this? And the guy said, yeah, go ahead, jump it. He's got like, like people have sweats on, right? So you can't even see that they have a bib and you have the official people working there. Like, yeah, I don't know where this, how you get into this, this shoot. You just, you just, you just jump the fence if you want to jump the fence. And so he's giving approval. Anybody could have run the Indianapolis marathon that morning. Literally anybody could have walked into the starting line there. Um, it was uh, that, yeah, that's, that's the one area Indy we need to, we need to clean our act up. Yeah. And, and people have been asking me, like, would you run Indianapolis again? Like, do you give it a recommendation? I'm like, on the starting line and loan, I'm like, go find a different marathon because the 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 start, it's very like anxiety inducing, right? You you want to know that you can get there on time. You want to know that you can be with people that are going to help you like run the time that you've done all this work to do. So it's like if you don't have a good starting setup, then you don't have a good race. That's my opinion when it comes to a, a, a marathon. So I know that's harsh, but it was it was disappointing the, the the starting thing, the starting setup. So, but that you know, it is what it is. We got to the starting line, we got across the start, and we started running the race. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just come out and say it. I blew up. I had a, I had a. Uh, I, I had a really bad day out there. I give all the credit in the world to Trent for, for beating me. Um, you know, Mike and I finished together. Um, but yeah, I, I had a, I had a, I crashed and burned and, um, it was like, it was kind of tough. Like it was tough pill to swallow because I had worked really, really hard over this past year and all my training, all my racing, like everything I did said that I was in like sub three shape. I was able to do what I, what I, what I should have done. And, you know, despite, despite like all the factors working against me that day through 17 miles, I felt good. Like I didn't feel great, but I felt like comfortable enough to get there. Like I felt like I was, I, I could, the pace that I was on, I could maintain it through the finish. No problem. But I got to mile 18 and my legs blew up like they've never blown up before. My hamstrings went, my quads went. Like I went from running a pretty consistent like 640, 645 pace to you know having to to walk it out and kind of walk run. Um and then and then you get to the last 10k and it's straight into it's straight into downtown Indianapolis and you get a 50 mile per hour headwind and the entire last 10k and it was that last, that last, you know, seven, eight miles for me was probably the most brutal stretch I've ever run in, in a race ever. Cause it's just like, motherfucker. Like I, I, this is an entire year's work of worth, work, worth of work going down the drain. And it's just like, I flew out to Indianapolis to run this race and it was, it was depressing. So, um, you know, Trent came rolling by me with about, you know, when'd you pass me? Mile 20, mile right around there. Mile 20, 20. Probably a little after that, honestly. Mile yeah. 22, I think. 21, you left 22. me at 21, I think. Yeah. 22. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just like, God damn it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was a tough day. And it was also like, a, it was also, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of facing, you know, where you're at as an athlete. It's like, you know, probably five, six years ago, I could have toughed it out. My body would have probably held together and I would have gotten to the finish line, but it's just like, you know, 
you can't you can't do that anymore. You gotta you gotta have the right day. You know, your training has got to be perfect. So it was a tough day out day out there for me. Yeah, and that to your point, dude. That that home stretch, that last four or five miles into the wind, was tough as it was. But if you're blowing up, that wind was so demoralizing, so demoralizing. Um, yeah, I mean, my race. If I'm being completely honest, I had 19, 19 miles of like legitimate fun, like legitimate fun. I felt really good. Trent and I went out very, very conservatively, and we like you know enjoyed enjoyed most of that ride. I mean, we were getting the crowd going. What little crowd existed. Uh, we were yakking it up with the people around us. I think most of the people around us probably hated us because we were being pretty obnoxious. For, I think, maybe 10 to 12 miles, we've played uh, the name game. You know, like if I say Steve Gendron, you got to come back with a, a G name. So Gary Sheffield, and then you can, you know, whatever. And we were doing specific sports. Oh, Gary Sheffield. Yeah, Steve Gendron and Gary Sheffield. Is that the first Sheffield. place you're going with a G? Yeah, I think I think it is the first place I'm going with a G. Uh and like I was asking the crowd, I was asking uh people around us for help on like you names. Uh so I was having so much fun. And then right around mile nineteen, I could feel it catching up to me. I could feel my hamstring trying to go. And I th- I think Trent could see because it was like a mile before we passed like a live band and I went nuts. I was like jumping up and down, I was singing, my energy was at an all-time high. And then a mile or two later, I think Trent could probably see my energy shifting a little bit. And it wasn't because, uh, you know, I was like dying yet, but it was, I knew it was coming. I could feel my hamstrings quivering and I knew it was only a matter of time until it went. And uh, when it went, it went bad. And I had a real bad last five miles of the race blew up. But I will say like the difference between me and Steve is, Steve's ceiling was a lot, a lot higher than mine on that day. If things went right, you know, it, it could have, the ceiling was incredibly high. Where my ceiling, you know, I think I finished 320. If I'm being honest with myself, my ceiling was, you know, 215, maybe a little faster. Like that's the pace that two, 215, oh, sorry, 315, was your ceiling? 315, 315. You would have won that day, Mike. Yeah, I, I was I wasn't going sub three, but like the pace that Trent and I had gone for 20-ish, 21 miles, that was, you know, that's what I was comfortable doing. That's what I think I could have done. Um the last five miles were tough. I blew up, but uh altogether, like I enjoyed the experience and I I I was I was fairly I was I was pretty okay with the way the race turned out. You know, I I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't super disappointed. I I knew that that could happen. I knew that that last five six miles was gonna be a a tough one for me. And you know, it it I don't think my my collapse wasn't quite as tragic as as Steve's. I mean, I think because of where our ceilings were. So so that's that's what happened. And as Mike said, I mean, we ran 80% of it together or something like that. I think it was, I remember saying to you at mile 20, like, oh, it's just a 10K. It's a 20-mile warm-up for a 10K because yeah. we had talked about that <laughs> on the pod previously. And and that, you know, that was kind of right maybe a half mile after your energy shifted because you were, like you said, you were, you're, you're a 
having fun with the crowd. We were having a lot of fun with people. We were we were doing all the high fives, you know, we're kicking all the signs or, or, or punching all the signs that give you the power boost and that stuff. I ate like a three musketeers bar that some little girl was like giving out. It was just like, what am I supposed to do with this? I guess I'll have it. It actually, it actually kind of hit the spot a little bit. Uh, so we, we had a blast. The weather as bad as the forecast was, it sneakily cooperated. You know, yep. it was, it was soaking yep. wet in the beginning. I, I don't know what you had, Steve. Mike was standing there shivering in his, his, uh, his singlet and his short shorts. And I had like full sweats that I was just going to throw off the side. So when I started, I was dry. I was warm. I felt good to go. And it actually kind of weather-wise, you know, uh, temperature-wise, it cooperated cloudy day. And then those last six miles, you got hit with the, just with the face with the headwind. Um, I was able to, yeah, when I, I say Mike struggling, uh, Mike, when Mike started taking walking water stops, that was when I was like, I can't do this because I was I, I didn't need to keep the pace you're at. But if I start walking and you feel good, the worst thing you can do is walk, right? The worst thing you can do walk and you have some rhythm because that's just going to pull you back. So uh, I left Mike and and I was just able to keep the pace that, that Mike and me had. So I think it was right around, you know, 715s or something like that that we pace ourselves at. And, and I'm looking at my stats after. And so I was able to keep that. Um, and just stayed pretty consistent and was able to kind of get through the home stretch there against, uh, the, the wind kind of blowing back at us. But yeah, it was a, a fun time. I haven't, I haven't run a marathon with like, like I've been in, in groups of people, right? The pacing groups. And, and there was kind of a group of us, Mike, when we went out and did Erie a while ago, but I haven't like run just with somebody like that. And it was a ton of fun. And, uh, luckily my, uh, my legs held it together for the last stretch and I was able to keep our pace and, uh, and take it home there. And as you know, I, you know, it, it's, I've, I've, uh, I've done a lot of reflecting on this and even in the moment, I mean, listen, I had, I had eight brutal miles to, to, to soak it all in and, and, and think about it. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the work I did. Um, I kind of brought myself back into the sport where I was like, as far as I've ever been out of it. And I obviously still have some work to do and some things that, you know, I, I still want to accomplish. I think if I hit my goal that day, I may, I may have taken another break from the sport. So I think it's, it's going to keep me, keep me motivated and, 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 and keep me going. But yeah, you know, I, I, I think when you've had some level of success and like my level of success in the sport is like so much lower than what other people have achieved. But when you've had some level of success in the sport, the sport has a, has a way of like, of like pushing people out. And if you're so tied to the result, if you're like, if you're so intensely tied to the, to the result of it, you're, you're going to set yourself up for failure no matter what, because farther times undefeated, you're only going to get slower. The sport is only going to get harder. Um, and so I think you need to look for things. Out. Results are great. And you, but you, you want the results, but you have to look for things outside of the results and things like forcing yourself to, to do the work, making it part of your routine, getting all the benefits of making this part of your routine again, striving for something, um, making yourself part of a community um, and, and making sure that you're celebrating those things and embracing those things. Because if you let it go, like there's no faking this sport. Like if you really let it go, it's going to be gone forever. And you don't get all of the, like 
the rewards are awesome. Like the goals are awesome. But if you let it go, you don't get any of those awesome things that the sports give you. And, you know, this year has given me so much. And like, I continue to have self-discovery from the sport. And I, at age, you know, 35 now, I had a lot of self-discovery over this past year, getting ready for it. And so while I'm upset at myself, while I didn't get what I wanted, um, if you take a step back, it was an important race for me. Um, so that's kind of kind of my spiel on on where I'm at in my running. Steve, I joked a lot about how out of shape I was going into this training. There was no exaggeration. I mean, I was in bad, bad, to the point where, no joke, I was not at the early stages of the training. I was not marking my runs on how many miles I did. I was not marking my runs on how f- the pace I did. I was marking my runs on how far I could get into the run without walking. I swear to God. And early on, it was not far. And my long runs, I was like, I, you know, I remember the first time I got to like eight miles without walking. And it was like, oh, baby, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. We're making moves. And by the end, like, I, I felt like I was crushing the long runs. Again, I probably didn't train the most ideal way. I didn't get nearly as much mileage. I wasn't as consistent as I needed to be. But I was still kind of proud of the fact that I was able to kind of get from not being able to get three or four miles without walking to, you know, I was able to get my long runs in. I was doing 21 mile runs. I was doing at a decent pace. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't the most impressive athletic accomplishment of my life, but I was all in all, I was like, you know what? There was something to be said for, for what I, what I was able to, to get myself to do. And I think it, it, uh, like you said, kind of re-brought me back in, set that baseline. I've actually run a few times since uh, the marathon, kind of getting a little bit more consistent. So yeah, I, I, I feel, I feel pretty good about it. And you guys both should, the marathon's a fickle beast, you know, you got to have everything go right on the right day to, to make it happen. I think Steve, you were on kind of your, your goal pace or, uh, pretty consistent. You said through like 17 plus miles, Mike, I know you were on your kind of goal pace, maybe even a little quicker, you know, through, through 20 plus miles, something like that. So, you know, to get there and be able to hit that pace for that, that extended amount of time, uh, means you put in a lot of work to get yourself in that position. And, uh, let's face it, you know, Steve, you, you got sick, Mike, you, you weren't exactly crushing your, um, Monday through Fridays. <laughs> so it, you didn't have the perfect training cycles, which, which kind of makes it almost like a 50, 50 proposition, I think on race day of whether you can put it together, uh, for a marathon, but, um, to see everybody kind of, you know, pull themselves into, to a shape where they can, you know, set a goal and, and get after it for at least 75% of the time or so, um, and, you know, it was a good day for the two crew out there. And you're just a pain in the ass. This is all you yeah. are. You're just a pain in the ass. Congratulations, Trent. Yeah. You, I hope you, you enjoyed your steak. Life. Hope you enjoyed that San Elmo <laughs> steak. Well, we're you gonna know, get I, there, I, but that was such this, a good steak. I said this after the uh the da- the David Goggins. Um and uh you know, I'm gonna congratulate you, but at the same time, I'm gonna tell you that you didn't accomplish what you should have in the sport because you're a much better athlete than your PR say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have. Uh, is that a, is that is that the definition of a backhanded compliment? It, I think so. Uh, I like to, I like to have. I'll go through my whole list of excuses here for <laughs> why maybe sometimes I look back and the PRs didn't nail it. But um, listen, 
you know, maybe what I wanted to accomplish was to get a free steak at St. Elmo. And that's what that's what happened. So some could argue that I did. I did kind of set out all I wanted to accomplish. Yeah, we, let's get to the fun stuff. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. Oh, we, well, hold on. We're, we're not done. We're not done. There are a couple of funny stories from the uh, from the marathon and the the funniest of which. So Mike and I, um, we joined up in the last we ran probably the last like two miles together. Would you say, Mike? Last mile, I I got you at mile twenty five. You got me at mile twenty five. No, yeah, it was like right at the sign. Mm, okay, and so we ran the last mile together, and uh, you know, <laughs> coming so with like a half mile to go, and we're trying to like you know try to chase it in. We're, we're and uh, and Mike gets a gets a hamstring cramp, and he grabs it and he locks up and he starts like limping. And uh, we're trying to get going. We're actually trying to break the the 320 mark at this point. I hate saying that, but it was a really tough last eight miles for me. Um, so we're trying to get 320. And Mike's hamstring locked up and he grabbed it. And he's like limping and he's like trying to punch it. He's trying to get it going. And uh, at this point, like we're not. And he's like, go, go, go. And I'm like, I'm like, no, like we're, we're at this point, we're finishing together. And so I just come behind him and I punch his hamstring as hard as I possibly can. And I think that loosened you up a little bit and you kept going. And then with about a quarter mile to go, it locked up again. And we're at a point where you're coming into the finish and the half marathon and the marathon are right next to each other. And so you get people that are coming in for a 320 half marathon and people that are coming in for a 320 marathon. And Mike, and there's just cones separating the two. And Mike grabs his hamstring. He starts like wandering over to the, the half marathon side. And there's a sweet old lady there like walking in, you know, I'd and, and you know, very, very sweet. And she's like, oh, are you okay? Okay. And Mike is grabbing his hamstring and he just goes, ah, fuck you. <laughs> Yelling at his hamstring. And then he realizes that there's a sweet old lady next to him. And, and he's like, oh, I wasn't talking to you. I'm sorry. I swear I wasn't talking to you. She's like, it's okay, honey. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, she was a saint. She's literally like on top of this lady. He's like wandering over because he's like, can't go straight. He's like almost on top of her. And he just goes, ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, I was that that last hamstring go with a quarter mile. I mean, it did. It did some really good damage i mean i said done a couple of runs but like my first run i did a week after the marathon and i'm still feeling like the repercussions of that hamstring pull it, it it's done a little bit of some solid damage so it was a good one and i was like i mean i was hobbling i was screaming my face off i just like blacked out i was just scr- dropping f-bombs left and right and it just like as soon as i looked up and saw that woman's face like it all just came like rushing back to me the last like 15 seconds of just like screaming and swearing at her and i was just like oh my god i am so sorry i am so sorry but she was the saint she like took it in stride she she wasn't upset at me she she understood what what was going on so yeah no but i'm sure from the outsider's perspective me just sitting there cussing out that that old woman probably was not a great look for uh for me so yeah I, I like knowing that punching somebody in the back of the hamstring can free up a cramp there. So if you guys are out there in a marathon and some <laughs> you start cramping up, just ask the guy next to you to, to take a whale on your hamstring. I wish somebody had a video of it because it must have looked ridiculous. But uh, uh, and then and then, of course, the walk from the finish line to the Airbnb. That was bad. It was, it was bad. Brutal. 
and the yeah. wind was whipping. There was there was a couple points where I almost the wind almost knocked me over. Like it was it was it was. Really we were bad. standing at a uh, you know a crosswalk. We were waiting for it to turn, and the wind started ripping. The worst it had been all day, and my legs hurt so bad I can't move. And I'm just standing there, just the wind. Like, there's a group of us, and nobody's moving at this point because, like, the wind, there's no point of even trying to walk. And I just, like, I have my head down. The wind's ripping at me. And at one point, I was just like, I, I think this is, I think I'm just going to die here. Like, I just, like, <laughs> I just feel like I'm going to crumble and start crying and just die right here because I can't move. And it felt like the wind was never going to stop. We eventually got off of that. We that were like 400 meters. We were 400 meters from our Airbnb. And we were seriously considering calling an Uber. Yep. Like it, it was, it was yep. really bad. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then, you know, once we got back to the Airbnb, like then the day just got so much more fun. It was, it was a perfect day. We sat around, we showered up, the Breeders' Cup was going on. So we were able to, you know, kind of get the juices flowing a little bit in the Airbnb, kind of tossing some money on the on the ponies. But then we met up with everybody at the bar. And uh yeah, I mean it was it was awesome. Everybody came back. Um, you know, shout out to the people that traveled out to Indianapolis. Um uh my friend John, my friend Paulo, uh, shout out to to Luke Mason. I know we called him out early on in this process. Mike said, if Luke Mason signs up, then he'll sign up yeah, for the marathon. It's all your fault. And next thing you know, he has like an entire crew out there. His whole his whole swim team from college signed up for the Indianapolis marathon. They came out, they partied with us. We, you know, we we hung out at the first bar. We bounced around to a couple more. Just an epic night hanging out with the with the two crew in the in the Bell Lap team, and Luke ran a badass marathon. So. He, did. he did. Uh yeah. Oh, and shout out to our our, our guy uh, uh Kyle who yep just came out to 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 cheer us on and and hang out with us afterwards. So shout out to Carl Markley. Um, we and met Mrs. his mother, Markley. Mrs. Markley. She was a ple- It was a pleasure to meet her. Um, yeah, it was just a just. Just everybody was just his the coolest group of people. Well, and Steve, with like people blowing up in the marathon, coming all that way, all the training, there very easily could have been bad vibes. There was once we got back to the Airbnb, you were in great vibes. Everyone was in good vibes. Like the second we got to that party, vibes were super high, and uh, it, it that very easily could have derailed, you know, the rest of the weekend. But now everyone, no matter how good you ran, how bad you ran. It was just like, whatever, it's over. We're going to have ourselves a good time. And that night was great. We ended up, uh, me and Trent ended up hustling some folks at uh, Super Smash Brothers and the, the arcade bar. That's what happened, right, Trent? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say shout out to uh, to Chief from Bellat for picking awesome bars to go to. We had a great first one to watch sports, get some food. And then uh, Mike and I went to play. Uh, we went to this arcade bar. We played NCC4. Um, if by hustle, I I don't know yep. what exactly uh, Mike's no, referring we to hustling, but yeah, we were we were hustling because we were doing lots of pushups was we were losing <laughs> until I replaced I replaced Mike on my team with the again the littlest gender and who actually knows how to play Super Smash Bros and we started kicking ass you and know, another, play. he just like pushups hid, but he just hid while you killed people the whole time. That's right. So we, we were don't we were I don't gambling. Think... We we're gambling push-ups, so every time we lost, we had to do like twenty push-ups or something. I don't think the two crew wants to know. Bar. 
wants to know specifics on our super smash bros strategy but yes it was fun that's a good that's a good i would recommend that to people if you're playing random people in a bar you don't want to play for money right um or for drinks or something just if you're playing pool playing darts playing super smash bros bet bet 10 push-ups uh some people it's easy some people it's hard but either way you're getting on a sticky floor and you look ridiculous in the middle of the bar doing doing 10 push-ups so as soon as i drop mike i could watch and laugh at other people rather than have to do it myself with that huge uh, Alabama upset at the bar. Look, that, that I don't know what's happening, but who beat? Was it LSU? LSU Alabama. So the LSU Bama game. It might have been. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that huge upset. Unbelievable I, cover. Um, I hit that. That was crazy. So I, I was gonna say about the night out, and we were able to hang out. We were able to hang all night, and the night out was kind of like a the same mindset of the marathon. It's like, okay, my mind's in it. I know what I want to do, but I'm just going to go as far tonight as my body takes me. Right. Like they, it could shut down hard at any moment and I need to, I need to go back, but I think everybody kind of held their own and we were, we were out all night. Some of us later than others, but we were, we were out all night. Some of us later than others for sure. For sure. Mike, what time did you sure. bed that night? <laughs> I got a good night's sleep. There was a uh, rested, well rested, <laughs> felt great what, the next morning. What time? Um, what time do the time zones change? It's 1 a.m., right? Or is it 2 a.m.? I think it's 3 a.m. I think it's 3 a.m. Regardless, for some people, they got an extra hour of sleep because if you go to bed before the time zones change, you get an extra <laughs> hour of sleep. For other people, if you're out at the bars and the time zones change while you're still there, you just get an extra hour of partying and you don't get that extra right. hour of sleep. Right. So, Two of the three people on this podcast got an extra hour of sleep that Listen, night. One of the three got an extra hour at the bars that night. Listen, my little brother ran a badass marathon in crappy weather. He ran a 248, and I was just celebrating my brother. That's all. <laughs> That's all. Um, well, yeah. So so awesome after awesome after party, ton of fun. Lived up. I, I would like to say it lived up to the hype. Um, we had a great time. And then the next day. I mean, the next day was just perfect, just absolutely perfect. And it, <laughs> like we, so there was a sports book, right? Like a, a couple blocks from where we were staying. And so we just said, you know what? We're going to spend the Sunday there. And we got there nice and early. And, you know, this isn't like a, you know, this isn't like a super nice polished casino. It was, uh, you know, is where the Boy, degenerates go on Sunday, oh, yeah. yep. but it's one of those places where you walk in and it's like, Hey, listen, we're all in this together. This is a judgment free zone. It's okay. If you sit in that couch for the next 10 hours and watch and gamble on football, like it, it just, it was, it was perfect. And we did just that. And we, we sat there, uh, the, the Colts were playing the, the Patriots. So it was perfect. We got the big TV. We got the sound. we, I I will say I'm very proud at us for, you know, we cheered at important points. We cheered at touchdowns and sacks, but we didn't get overly excited. We didn't, we didn't make too many enemies during the game, but we watched football all day. And <clears throat> sure enough, to close out the day at the sports book, our guy, Tom Brady, gave us one more gift. In the, one more gift. Just another miraculous finish to win us a big bet to cap off a magical day. He did it again. He gave us one more moment of glory, Mike. Yeah. So 
we, I'm pretty, maybe I should just speak for myself, but the one o'clock slate did not necessarily go great gambling wise, but we all, you know, had enough action on the Patriots game that it kept us alive. And so the Patriots game kind of kept us alive. The rest of the one o'clock slate was a little bit ugly. We had some parlays that, you know, people maybe didn't make the greatest decisions and screwed it up. And, but the four o'clock slate, we were a little bit of a rocky row, but we were all doing good. We were all doing good. And yeah, Tom Brady, we we're like, you know what? He's going to make us or break us. Either we're going to be down on Tom Brady or we're going to be up. And it was a miracle win. We went nuts. Miracle. And my, my grandfather would always say, you know, no matter whether you're winning or you're losing, when you get home, say, you know, I broke even. But, uh, but Grampy, I'm sorry. I, I, I think it's fair to say that I think we all – did we all walk out up money? We all walked out with a pocket full of cash. <laughs> and, and I got greedy yeah. on the ponies, and I hit a huge, a huge horsey bit on the way out too. You're so, welcome, so. by the way. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I was I was crushing. I crushed the horses. Crushed. It was as good as a day as five people can have at a sports yeah. book. Like, you'll never have, even though we all kind of were on board with Patriots, you'll never have a day where we all walked away with a little bit of extra money in our pocket. And, and some of us more than a little, some of us a lot. I, yeah. I was I was probably on the more, the littler side than a lot, but it, you know, Football made money, and then people started getting wild and betting horses, and that's making money. And then the basketball bets get in place, and that's making money. It was just, you know, it was a roller coaster. I don't want to say like we we hit ten percent here, but uh, the takeaway is probably never to go to sportsbook with this group again because it it can't go that well. Like somehow somehow we all all walked away uh, feeling pretty good about how the day had went. It it made the Saint Elmo's bill not hurt as well, bad let's get hold on not hurt as bad so we get we get an uber the, the the tom brady miraculous finish happens we get an uber go straight to saint elmo's and we walk in there with all of our patriots gears on you know probably oh you know we had a day right we ran a marathon the day before we had a day so probably a little overserved. um and we you know roll into saint elmo's you know five deep uh, and uh, sit down with <laughs> with the intent to pay in all cash. <laughs> and we had a nice, beautiful steak dinner. Uh, Trent didn't pay because he he won the bet. We got a we got a tour of St. Elmo's. That we made friends. I don't think he liked us at first, but we made we won him. Oh, we won yeah. our server over oh, by yeah. the end. We got a nice little tour of St. Elmo's. We saw the Jerry Jones room. We saw the Peyton Manning room. We saw the wine cellar. It was just a, it was just a perfect. <laughs> It was just a perfect ending to the to a to a great trip. It was just absolutely perfect. Steve, I I, I was in one of like, you know, the more famous steakhouses around, wearing a cut off sweatshirt, <laughs> a, a a you know five dollar Marshalls gray sweatshirt with cut off sleeves. I mean, we looked like complete assholes. Yeah, we yeah. yeah. You're wearing the hoodie while this guy's telling you stories of what it's like to serve Bill Belichick. Yeah. Um, to one He's up wearing you all. Like a, a full tuxedo. Yeah. It's one up you all. I'm in my Pats jersey. I I cried. <laughs> I was drunk <laughs> enough to start crying. I don't know. And if we're I'm, I'm not a 
I'm not a drunk crier. I swear. I really don't do that anyway, but I was a little emotional about, you know, me, me stepping away from the pod and the big weekend in India and all the people there. So here I am like with my Pats Jersey, you know, we're all coming from this high of having so much money in our pockets, bawling my eyes out and the waiter just looking at us. Like he doesn't know. Like we went from excitement to me crying to like massive excitement. And again, uh, and again, probably all a little overserved. I don't think this waiter knew what the hell to do with us, but somehow we endeared him and yeah, he gave us the full tour. It was, well, it was quite I'm, I'm somebody who, when somebody I'm with starts crying, I immediately start crying. So this waiter comes over and we're like hammered and like obnoxious and loud. He leaves for a couple minutes and when he comes back, half the table is just falling their eyes out. I mean, this guy must have thought we were absolute lunatics. I mean, we are, but I mean, I just... It was all I happy tears, wish. right? It was all good stuff. Oh, it was all good. But it wasn't like, anything I bad. Wish. It was all good stuff. It was like, just I give am... us 10 minutes, man. Like, we're going to be the your most fun table you have. I just, I just need a few minutes over here. I just wish I could have seen that night from his eyes. I want to know. Just, I just, I need to know what that looked like. This guy, I'm, I'm crying. <laughs> Mike's on the verge, and for some reason, we were the ones that were gonna like taste the wine because he had like a nice bottle <laughs> yeah. of wine. And so this guy, this guy pours like you know the little <laughs> sample, and Mike takes it. He pours it for me, and I'm like, nope, I can't do this right now. That was his way of like trying to be helpful is is let the <sighs> the drunk crying guy Man. taste the wine. The, I mean, it was a nice bottle of wine. Like, we're more, we're at St. Elmo. We're getting nice wine. And a, we just want a big bet. We're getting a nice bottle. Yeah, I, I can't, oh, I can't man. even sample the wine right now. But, yeah, he he did not know what to do with us at first. <laughs> the food's delicious, though. Totally. Totally. Shout out to uh, our guy, Colin, from Wisconsin. He was like, you got to get the horseradish and the, and the shrimp and stuff. And that was that was uh, an A plus 10 out of 10. So it was a great experience at St. Elmo. So, so the trip to Indianapolis to run the marathon was fantastic, except for the marathon. Let's just we'll just leave yeah. it at. Um, but before we wrap up that night, one of my favorite favorite memories of the night is we were on our way back after St. Elmo's, and we're like, "Well, we need, we need we need to get more beer. We need to get more beer." <laughs> and there was no liquor stores open, so like, all right, all right, we gotta find a way to. So we went into a bar and just ordered a ton of beer. And just walked out with it. And then the next morning, I opened the fridge. And the fridge is chock full of beer. I mean, there must have been like 20 beers left in the fridge. We did not need to do this. But for whatever reason, we thought like, oh, God, there's no more beer stores. Open. We got to make sure we, we find some beer. And uh, yeah, so that's. I was asleep before we even came back. So, yeah. um, Oh, Trent, we also beat the ever-living shit out of each other. <laughs> So so apparently when I get drunk, I cry. When Mike gets drunk, he just wants to fight people is, is what happens. Uh, I, I think I almost choked out Christopher. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I went to bed while, while you guys are fighting. I think I tried to be a peacekeeper <laughs> for a minute, and then I said, these guys look like they're having too much fun, so I'm, <laughs> I got to conk out here. Oh, man. Well... Let's let's do this. So we 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 have some uh, cross country national championship stuff to get into. Um, but you, you know, if we, you came if you came here for the NCAA takes, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, we got some hot takes we're gonna get into. But we'll 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 I'll just I'll just say this before we kind of transition over towards that into the end of the episode. Um, so we got we got Trent 
uh, on for one more episode after that. I'm not going to say it's his last podcast because I'm confident he will be back on here and there every once in a while. Maybe we can get him to jump on every few months or so. So I'm not going to say it's his last. Maybe we can sucker him into doing it just every once in a while. So let's just leave it at that. But it's his last uh, episode as a regular on the podcast. And so I, you know, I know we talked a little bit on the last episode, but I do want to just kind of turn it over to him and start off by saying, thank you. This has been a, uh, it's been a wild ride. We're almost at four. We're just shy of four years here. And, you know, I I've said it on the podcast before, but I think we've done something cool. We've, uh, we just, you know, keeping a, keeping a podcast going, like we've said before for this long is, is pretty incredible. It doesn't, it doesn't happen, but we've built a community and, you know, when I say this, I truly mean it. We have influenced the sport, like we've influenced the sport and how it's covered. Um, we've influenced kind of people's opinions on the sport. Um, we've influenced the way that people should be fans of the sport. Um, I, I, I really think that what we've, what started as a little bit of a joke and as something for a group of maybe like 10 to 20 people has turned into something that, uh, has has made a, an impact and we've built a pretty cool team here and so uh, I do just want to give the floor to, to 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 Trent for a little bit before we kind of move on here we do have him for one more so this isn't goodbye yet um but you know I think you know we were, we were joking about kind of how there was some tears shed at at, at St. Elmo's say, you trying to make him cry again here Steve Jesus no but the big part of that was just like you know we we were just kind of reminiscing and realizing like you know, how crazy this ride has been, but, you know, lives change. And like, you know, this has been a passion project. I mean, we don't make money off this. This isn't a job and it's been, it's just been a, a labor of love. And, you know, uh, you know, I, the podcast isn't going to change. I think we, we've got some interesting ways to go on, but it will change without Trent. And Trent has been a very important part of the past four years. Yeah, we've, we've done some really special things and and again, yeah, you nailed it. See that that's kind of why the, the tears flow. We were joking about it earlier, but you know, in all seriousness, it was, it was being with, with Mike and Steve, um, you know, and the extended peak too early family that night after a killer weekend. I mean, we do the podcasts and, and sometimes, um, you know, that, that is, can be grind and it's always fun when we're on, on the mics, but it can be a grind and, and, and difficult to, to, to fit into the, the crazy schedules we all got. But when you get the whole gang together in a place like Indianapolis running a race like that, it was just so much freaking fun. And and for me to kind of have to to say, oh, man, I'm not going to be, you know, uh, part of this community the same way that I was, you know, reflecting on that. That's when the emotion, you know, really flowed. Um, shout out to the two crew for, for being out there. You know, that was another reason why the emotions flowed, you know, when you're out in Indianapolis and you see the people that are out there and I'm meeting people that I've never met in person before, but they, you know, they know, you know, you know, quote unquote, know or, or, or are tuned in. And, and, you know, I think I'm pretty honest on this podcast. I try to, I try to like, kind of tell you guys how I'm feeling and, and share details about my life. I think we all do. Um, so you really do know you know a lot about me if you listen to the podcast consistently. And so I'm meeting people who, who quote unquote know me and they kind of they they really do. Um and, and to see the kind of the impact that Peak Twirly has had and the community that it built and that all those people came out to Indianapolis, that was a huge reason why the emotion was flowing, just just kind of feeling the support uh that everybody was offering that weekend for us as runners, for other people that were running and just for the podcast in general. 
Um, so, so again, feeling that support was, was just brought up the emotion, being with the boys, uh, brought up the emotion and having everybody there in kind of one place was a pretty powerful thing. So, um, it was, it was difficult for me to kind of think of it as kind of a, a big last hurrah. Uh, you know, I'll certainly be involved in, in different events, you know, that peak too early has, if, you know, if, if they run out another marathon next year, I can't guarantee I'll sign up for that. Mike's giving me the no on that, but you know, different things like that. I, I can't wait to, to stay a part of the, the Tuku community from another angle, but uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Mike and Steve for bringing me on. It's been a hell of a freaking ride. Uh, and thanks to the two crew for, for being a part of it, whether you're a listener, whether you bought t-shirts, whether you ran the Indianapolis marathon, doesn't matter. Um, it's just fun to have a, a community that, um, that we formed here. So love you all. And, you know, we said we got them consistently for one more episode. And the reason I wanted to say that is next episode might be our biggest episode ever. What do you guys think? It's tough to. It's tough to, like, go back and try and rethink a few different ones. But this might be the most significant. Yeah. I think it might be the most significant interview we've ever had. The most important think, interview we've ever had. I think it's without a doubt. Yeah. Most important, most significant one we've had. And it's not like we just got a big name guest. We got we got a guest that has been an important part of the show. Important part <laughs> without of the show. being part of the show. And not the first time they've talked on a space like this, but I think maybe the first time they've talked this like um in comfortable in, in the in, yeah comfortably in the peak too early way right like the the most like openly I would say so this uh, without without saying too much this guest brought me out of retirement this was going to be my last episode <laughs> yeah. so I can't go out at this person's lined up so I agree uh not only was it maybe the most important interview we've had, but uh, it's a hell of an interview. We had a ton of fun. We got to some really good, interesting stuff, but it's also just going to be an entertaining listening and an interesting listen uh, for those of you that are, that are going to be tuning in next week. Is, is in, in, out of like professional runners in the running world, because I mean, like we could make our, our list of like, of uh bucket list guests and, you know, like Tom Brady would be number one, but in the running world right now, would this be one one that we would choose? Outside of like the absolutely unattainable, like Kipchoge, it's not Kipchoge. Kipchoge. It's not Usain Bolt. <laughs> it's not Usain Bolt. I, I Usain Bolt's not as high as this person. I, I'd rather talk to this person uh, than Usain. I mean, Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt's like an, a legend that everyone would listen to. But like as as far as an interesting like conversation, I'm not sure I would rank Usain Bolt higher than this person right now. I disagree, but that's okay. It's not <laughs> simple. Uh It's not Alberto Salazar. Yeah, no, that would be that would be a good one. That would be a good one. It's not Alberto Salazar. But yeah, I mean, outside of like the absolutely unattainable, I'd say within our realm of attainability, is a pretty huge guest. It's not Noah Lyles. Noah Lyles might be one one. I don't think that's unattainable. It's not no allow. So it's not. Yeah. I think I think that's still within shot. But I actually think I'd put this guest above no allows right now. Okay. 
Okay. We don't need to compare it and put a specific order. It's it's in the top tier. It's very whether yeah. unattainable or well, obtainable. Honestly, I mean, I think it's in the, the names top I tier just, of yes you could get right now. Yeah, the names I just said should give some kind of indication of you know. Yeah, it's a big guest. All right, hey, we had a big cross country meet this week. Let's uh, let's talk some NCAA national championship <laughs> cross country. Let's get into it. <laughs> All right, Mike, you were heated over the weekend, so I'm just going to hand the floor over to you for a little bit to let you rant. First off, we we put up your we put up your prediction on the Instagram. You came out talking Oklahoma State men's and women's was your prediction. You know, I I, I and and we'll we'll I, I'll and I, like I said, I'll hand the floor over to you. Yeah, well, it's a good thing, Steve, that we're uh, recording this portion after we've talked a whole bunch of indie because it's allowed me to uh, to you know take some of the steam down a little bit um that that's not true we're actually recording this before the indie stuff we're playing a little inception <laughs> games so i'm just as heated as i came into this so before i really get into it i kind of want to break down the 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 men's race really quickly because like you said i came in my predictions obviously yeah maybe i'm a little biased oklahoma state but like i said in my uh preview video they are on their home course, and that is a very difficult course. And Oklahoma State almost, the men's team almost put themselves in a chance to win the year before. So although I got a little out of control, and I was like, the women's team's going to win. Natalie Cook's going to win. Uh, Mystery Man's going to win. I truly did kind of believe the only part that wasn't like uh, in jest was the men's team being able to win. So the race goes off. And, 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 and just, just for the listeners, I, I will say, you've been, you've been kind of, You've kind of planned your flag in the ground as a Oklahoma State fan for, I'd say, the past like four years. Four years. I like. I it really didn't like hit me until I started watching the races this year. I'm like, I think I'm just an Oklahoma State cross country fan now. Like, it was kind of fun and like, yeah, root from. I was like, really into it. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this feels real. Like, this feels like real fandom right here. So. The race goes off, and Stanford were the favorites. They got a bunch of young guys. I didn't really believe in Stanford. I think they were led by a bunch of freshmen, sophomore, and just a tough course. I wasn't sure about them. But, of course, you had BYU and NAU at the top. A lot of people were counting NAU out. They had kind of a tough regular season. They weren't as dominant as they had been. And so the race goes out. Stanford's in the lead. And Oklahoma State is like way back. I think at like the 3K, they had like 230 points or something like that. So they're sitting in like seventh or eighth and they're getting smoked. Stanford has like 60, 70 points, but it's early, right? And Oklahoma State, I mean, talk about home field advantage. They ran perfect. You just saw every K, they're chipping away a little bit, chipping away a little bit. And the way they did it was, their top three. Well, you had your top two that were sitting in the top ten, but the the three guys in the front, um, they kind of separated, and then there was a chase pack, and the two Oklahoma State guys just led the chase pack. They could have gone after it. Both of those guys are capable of like running with the the leaders, but I think they made the conscious decision. Listen, let's not do anything stupid. Let's not go out and we don't have to be heroes. We don't need to be top three. We just need to be in this chase pack. So one and two sit in that chase pack. The third guy's not far behind them. Four and five are way back, and they just slowly creep up, slowly creep up. At the 5K, they're in fourth place, and then by, like, the 
between the 5K and the 7K, they moved up. I think the fifth guy moved up like a hundred spots. It was ridiculous. He's just blowing by people to the point where at the nine K the little like live results comes up. The first time that Oklahoma state cracks the lead is with a K to go. And it's like, I'm going nuts. I'm watching on my phone. I'm at work. I'm like screaming. People don't know what's going on. So we have the lead going into it. NAU is hanging strong and Hicks from Stanford is, you know, goes out, takes the win. Like, congratulations to him. That's a huge dub. Takes down Nico Young. I got a lot of feelings about Nico Young. That dude stinks. He loses. That made me happy. And then when they come across the line, so they're doing the live up thing. I'm, like, sitting there waiting for it to go. And the very first update was NAU 83, Oklahoma State 84. So I'm, like devastated one point i can't believe it just happened everything reshuffles the next update is oklahoma state 77 nau 101 so i'm like it's a blowout we killed them (laughs) it's over sit down one more time it reshuffles 84 83 83 dead tie and i'm like texting because i can't have the audio on so i'm just like watching so i'm texting uh, my brother Chris now, like, what is going on? Who had the six max? Like, we'll get into it. But my first thing is like, who's in the six max? He's like, dude, NAU won. I'm like flipping through the I'm like, how is this possible? I'm like crunching numbers. And then I see NAU going nuts. They're celebrating. My instant reaction was, I demand a recount. Okay, the score <laughs> flipped three times in a matter of five minutes. I'm like, recount. I will protest this until the day I die. And then it's all starting to hit me. That for whatever reason, for whatever reason, cross country was done one way for a billion years. Okay. One way for a billion years. And the sixth man breaks a tie. Well, no, 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 no. Division one cross country is now actually, yeah. Division one cross country has this ridiculous rule where they like, have to go back into the results and they score the two teams as if it was a dual meet. And the winner of the dual meet is breaks the tie. This is, this is, I don't care what anybody says, right? You know, all the running nerds have their opinions. Well, this is the right way to do it. This is no, 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 no. Six man's break tie in cross country. That is how it's worked. That's how it's always worked. How in what world? I mean, what's the point? What's the point of having six and seven? It goes, it What's goes the point against, of having depth? It goes against everything I believe about cross country and every reason yes. I love cross country. And being a good dual meet cross country team is not necessarily being a good cross country team. They're scored differently. They're completely two different so events. Wait, oh my this, God, I just spilled beer everywhere, all over so, my computer. So explain explain to me what happened. <sighs> so do we need to pause it? No, 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 it's okay. I'm just going to clean all the beer <laughs> so off explain with, my, to me. with my son's. So, Look at this. I'm using my son's shirt to, to clean the beer off my computer. I'm trying to wrap my head around. I'm trying to wrap my head around. Um, I'm trying to wrap my head around the scoring system. So how, I guess, I guess, how does it change so, to, from a, from, in a dual meet score? So, so once it goes to the two ties, so NAU and Oklahoma State, they're tied. Now yeah. you... Look at their two placings side by side. So Nico Young came in second. 
So he gets the one. Oh, stick. I understand now. I understand. Bosley, okay. yeah, finishes third. He gets the two stick. Then Isaiah, in, right? So it's like. So, so here in here, here's my biggest problem with this is I still wouldn't agree with it, but if this was like a high school state championship rule, I could, I could, I could come around to it um, because dual meets are a thing in high school. Dual meets aren't a thing in college cross country. They're just not a thing. No. So why would that be a tiebreaker at the most important race? And, you know, why, I mean, why are we trotting out more than five runners? Like, what's the point of having, having seven runners on the line? Like, what's the point of those other two guys? You know, you, you, you say it all the time, like displacement and tiebreakers. That's what those guys are there for. That's why you have a full team. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I genuinely, and I know, listen, I get that I'm biased. I no, get but that I, I'm biased. I agree with but, you. To me, this is like whether it makes sense or not. You can sit here and try and break down the math to me for hours and hours and hours, but at the end of the day, I there's something so beautiful about the simplicity about the sixth man tiebreaker that is just a wonderful thing. You had your top five guys score, and it ended up in a dead tie. So what do we do? Let's bump it out. To a sixth man, let's say, all right, your top, your my five versus your five are exactly the same. All right, hey, Mike. Mike, do what we if know, we throw what, six guys on the line? Was that the rule, and did it like change recently, or is, so? Is it- I, you know, I admittedly saw conflicting things. I don't know what the actual thing is. The way I understand it is the rule used to be six man tiebreaker, and recently was changed to this new system. Is this an all college or just a D one thing? I that I do not know. Get stats and research on it. I love your point though, Mike. Why overcomplicate a simple rule that so works? Simple. There's no one that's ever argued that the six man being a tiebreaker is a bad idea. This is this is overcomplicating to the fact that fans can't figure it out. That you have to have, like you said, you're watching it at work and you have to wait for somebody to tell you what's going on. You can't figure it out from looking at the results. It's, it's too much math there. Uh, overcomplication is bad. And when you're out there, this is like assuming that Oklahoma State knew that they were going to have to they were going to be in a tie with Northern Arizona, right? So then you have to gun for the Northern Arizona guys. Like it would, it would make sense potentially if you had like a live, you know, scoreboard that these guys were following as they're racing. But how are you supposed to know like what other, you know, colors singlets you're supposed to go after? It's, 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 it's kind of insane. Dude, I, so, this how felt cool, like, how cool a, is it? Go sorry. Ahead. No, I was just saying, like, this felt like such a, like, I was broken by this. I, it felt like a real sports loss. This isn't just like sarcasm. Like I was pissed. I still am pissed. And I get that it's like, it is what it is. It's the rule. But I just like, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. I, I watched them lose before my eyes. I was like, I don't, I just don't understand how we just lost. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. So and they raced perfect. God damn, they raced perfect. How cool is it that you have a, have a tie? At the national championship cross country D one cross country meet, you have a tie. And how cool would it have been if the six man was the difference in that? That would have been awesome. It's like a yeah, the most beautiful and like they would have been beating the powerhouse NAU on their home course. And like being the sixth, seventh man in cross country, it, it it's like sometimes a thankless job, right? Like you 
you have your days and everything like that, but you don't get to be the superstar of the show. It's like, yeah, on that given day, the sixth man would have gotten to decide the national championship. And it just, it's such a beautiful thing. And I, I feel robbed. I feel sad for the sport across country. I feel sad for my Oklahoma. Like imagine being at your home course for four years. You've been like on the verge of potentially breaking out. You're with these guys and you go out there and run the race of your life. You were like, I think ranked like third or fourth going into it and you have a chance to win it. And it's like, and then everyone's doing that thing where they're backtracking where it's like, if I had just gotten one more guy, like where could I have gotten one more guy at any point in the race? If I had just not let that guy slip by me, everyone's second guessing it. And it's just like, Oh my God, that is heartbreaking. You see the pictures of them on stage, like taking their runner up trophy. And it's just like everyone there looks like they want like to be nowhere else, anywhere else in the world, but standing on that stage and having to like face that, that is absolutely brutal. And well, maybe I should say this. Do we have anything else on the tiebreaker? Because I have I have other thoughts. So there's there's on while you were mad online, I was kind of going through social medias. Pretty much everybody was on your side except for one man. There was one man that wasn't on your side. It was a former teammate of uh, of Mike and Trent. Let's see if you can guess who it was. I I do know who it was. I was I was given this information. Should, should we? And I and I asked him for an explanation. Should we have him call in and give and give his side? Because I. I just don't you know, understand. No, I don't. I don't want to hear his running nerd explanation. I really don't. <laughs> I've heard it. I heard it because I just, it, I just I, want, I just want somebody to give me like a, a, a coherent like argument here. I, I went deep into the let's run nerdy circle, Steve, and he's not the only one who has. What, what is there? Are what is, what are people hundreds saying? And, people think the, that the the argument is that it is a more this system is a better way of determining the better team because who has the better top five not better team well that's what they say it's like your top five is your scorers so you score cross-country meets with your top five so the the better top five should in determine the winner that's the argument i think it's a stupid argument and like i said you can make it a million times you can explain it to me every different way you can make a powerpoint you can However you want to justify it, my brain will never be able to comprehend that. But seriously, like I'm going to make a serious argument here, and I'm not being sarcastic. If that's the goal of the sport, why do why does a team put seven runners on the line? Like if the goal is to is to to have your top to have your best five runners, what's the point of having seven runners on the line? If somebody has a bad day, six or seven but, steps up, they become seven, yeah. the four or five. But guy you could make day. that argument in a tiebreaker, right? You know, you you didn't yeah. get that extra point because one of your top five had a bad day, right? I'm I'm on I'm on P2E side here. I'm on Mikey Track Talk side here. I'm just saying that that's that's Listen, why they're on the line, right? It's because it could be a top five, could be different any given day. You telling me that when Marcus Smart is coming off the bench, that's not going to make an impact on the team? Yeah. Are you are you telling me that because he's not in the starting five on a given day that? You know, his impact to the team is irrelevant and shouldn't count. No, the sixth man matters. Those guys on the bench matter. They're coming off the bench and they're making a huge impact and having a huge impact guy can win or lose you a game like that. Are you telling me that a special teamer can't win you a football game on Sunday? Is that what you're telling me? It's a good point, Steve. It's a very good point. It's a very good point. Um. 
okay, I have another rant, but again, I want to keep the floor open for any other tiebreaker slander if you guys. The floor is yours, Mike. I hate Northern Arizona University. <laughs> I hate them. I am sick of them. I Coach Smith can get out of here. This team is the worst. The worst. And now I know what it feels like to be on the other side of having to play against the New England Patriots for the last two decades. I know what it feels like because these guys catch every single break. This year they were not projected to be not projected to win. Like every report, everybody you listened to coming into this meet was not counting them in. They had them like fourth. Stanford was the heavy favorite. People liked BYU. A lot of people had Oklahoma State as the outside shot. People were down on NAU this year, and they just find a way to win. I don't know if you saw my tweet, Steve, but I, my tweet was, uh, what did I say? I said, NAU is the... <laughs> And I, and I wish I had more than like three followers on Twitter because this would have gotten people real angry. I said NAU is exact the exact same thing as the 2000 to 2019 Patriots. The only difference is the Patriots didn't have to rely on bogus uh, rules for their success or something like that. <laughs> I mean that that is a, that's a tweet that would have gotten people people's heads would it would have been a deep cut. I don't know if a lot of I don't know if a lot oh, of oh people would have got it. People would have got it. <laughs> this uh, this anti NAU rant, you know, I hate them. It I hate that. It kind of makes me excited for NAU winning the title this year, right? No. They're they're counted out. You know, they these guys go to NAU to win championships. That that's why they're all there. Uh, they watch all the upperclassmen take home hardware every year. Now it's these guys' turn to shine, and they're kind of counted out. They don't have the best year, but you know what? That, that program breeds champions and they went out there and they did just enough to take care of it. Uh, I'm on your side on the tiebreaker here, but your, your ran against NAU kind of makes me like, Oh man, I love that. They, they pulled deep. They, they kind of, they said, no, we're still here. We ain't going anywhere. And they showed up and they did just enough to win. I kind of love it. Every single championship that they win is going to make me love Connor Mance more and more and more because he's the only person who was able to take that one from them a few years ago. BYU was able to sneak one by them, and Connor Mance's legacy will just grow larger and larger. I was, like, lukewarm on Connor Mance before, but, like, the bigger NAU becomes, the more I love Connor Mance. <laughs> I will say, it, it was kind of cool to see, like, Tyler Day and Abdi Nur going just absolutely bananas. You know what I mean? It, it, it's... It, I, I, I'm, I'm more on your side than I'm not with this, but... It, it, yeah, to see to see like the kind of a, I guess you will championship fraternity that they're kind of building is it's a little cool. I would like to dissociate Tyler Day from NAU because I like Tyler Day a lot, and I <laughs> I don't want to include him in this, but I guess he has to be. I guess he has to get ra- roped into into this. Um, all day Tyler Day. I I hate them. I cannot stand <laughs> them. <laughs> And this is it. Like, this is it for Oklahoma State. I mean, yeah, you're my guy, the mystery man. And I I do want to say I'm very proud of the mystery man. I thought he ran a smart race. I thought he ran great. That guy is a, a gamer, and he's a guy I want on my side when I'm trying to win national championship. Like I said, I thought he ran incredibly smart. 
on his home course, like he could have gone out and done something real stupid and decided he was going to try and win that thing. But no, he's a team player and he sat back and he gave him his team a chance to win. So I mean, maybe guy. if he went not after it, it would have been a different score, Mike. Yeah. Or he could have finished in like 170th. Yeah. Yeah. The, the mystery man's a, you can be a fan of him, but just know that sometimes you just might not show up to the starting line. So. Yeah, well, that's that's the or mystery he, of it, I suppose. Or he may come up one runner short in the national championship. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I, we should say shout out to Caitlin Tui for taking it on the women's side. Uh, there was no no real controversy there. And uh, NC Mike. State goes NC State goes back to back. Tui and NC, NC State goes State. back to back. Yeah, so one, she two. gets the win. And the team goes back to back. So shout out to them. Um, I wish I had more energy to give takes on the women's race, but I am so deeply burned by that men's race that I just I, I just have nothing left to give. I have nothing left to give. So that's that. I mean, I'll, I'll shout out the uh, I'm just looking at the results right now on on uh, NCAA's website. It's it's pretty it's pretty good little system here. You can quickly kind of go through K by K. NC State took home the championship with a 74th place from their five runner, which is kind of unheard of, I think, for for a national champion. Their top four were that dominant. So, yeah, they're, they're top um, heavy for sure. They got one and two scores. I think one three overall in the meet. But yeah, to get a 74 spot out of your five runner and still take home a championship um yeah they got some some studs up front and that's true you see champions win with a team score less than than 74 like that sure happens. new mexico state in second had their five person was a 34th place so think how much you have to dominate your one through four yeah if the fifth person beats you by or you lose out in the fifth five by five person by 40 points i don't know who would have won a tiebreaker there would have been way too complicated to figure it out <laughs> but uh, luckily we didn't we didn't need that I'm I'm gonna say NC State probably dominates in the tiebreaker. Yeah, because they probably go one. Two, yeah, yeah you're probably right. they probably get <laughs> bumped up forty places from their fifth round of there. So yeah. All right, boys. This has been a uh, it's been a it's been a great recap. It's been a wild ride getting ready for the Indy Marathon, and it lived up to the hype. Not necessarily the race, like we said, but um, everything that came with going out to Indianapolis to to run a race and hang out with the two crew. Um, let's kick off the Bell app. Mike, what do you got people on the Bell app? Yep, this is not a relevant topic anymore, but it's something I've been holding on to for a couple weeks and never got to speak on. It's also a topic that's going to alienate a lot of people, and a lot of people don't even understand what I'm talking about. With that said, I'm going to talk about it anyways. Uh, I'm happy the Houston Astros won the World Series. Um, The Phillies, from the very beginning... The whole world thought that their little run was cute. And if anybody doesn't know, the Phillies were celebrating to this like silly, sad song. And everyone thought it was the cutest thing in the entire world. And everyone's rallying behind the Phillies. It's like, oh, look how fun the Phillies are. Look at this. Yada, yada, yada. What people don't realize is one of my like favorite Red Sox seasons that didn't end up in a World Series was last year's Red Sox team. And Part of the reason it was so fun is because that was our song. It wasn't like they took a similar song. They took the exact they took the same most random song, song ever. Random and song. Like, and it was like, this is the Red Sox rally song for the season. And it was it was so cool and like hilarious and funny. 
And it's just like, they just stole it. They just stole it. And like everyone, nobody knew the real story because the Red Sox didn't go to the World Series. And everyone, it, it just boiled my blood to know. And and it pains me to say, because I'm not an Astros fan. I hate the Astros. I'm happy they won. I'm happy that they didn't give the Phillies the opportunity to be on a championship parade playing that song. And listen, from here on in, for a while, I was like, screw that song. I'm over it. No, it is my mission to take back that song. That is not Philly's song. That is that is not Philadelphia's song. That is our song, and I am taking it back. Well said, Mike. I like it. Trent, what do you got people on the Bell app? A quick tangent. When we were out on the town Sunday night, so the only kind of negative of the day was, uh, well, not to Mike, to other people, was the Astros winning the World Series. That happened while we were in Indianapolis. And we had met a couple friends playing Super Smash Bros. So we ended up going to another bar with us, getting dinner with us. And I think Mike lost him once he went on his tangent about sure. how how much he hated the Phillies. It was like, oh, these guys are cool. And then Mike goes for 25 minutes on his Phillies hate. Uh, and so we lost our new friends. But anyway, I got a super random shout out. Shout out to the city of Dallas. I was just there. I'm not sure if you guys have ever been there. They have the best like inner city running path I've ever run on. And so they have this path that's it's raised up above kind of the, all the major intersections it's like a four mile so you can do an eight mile out and back on it but it's raised up above the intersection so you really don't have to cross any intersections it's it's a bike and running path but they're separated so you're not battling the bikers and it's like the rubber kind of like a track surface so it's soft on the knees and it's lit up it's lit up at night so i was just in dallas for work last week i went for i'm in that kind of kind of post-marathon. I have nothing on my schedule. Just kind of go for a run for whatever distance you want to run for at this point. There's no there's no real training to do. I end up going for like a relatively long run because it was like six o'clock at night. So it's 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 dark out, but you start right next to like the, the American Airlines arena where the Mavericks play. And you can just run this elevated, lit up, like rubbery, perfect running path where you don't have to battle uh, intersections. And so I ended up doing the whole path. It was like I did an eight mile run. There was no need for that whatsoever uh, on my training schedule. But the path was so perfect. So anyways, had a, uh, I got to shout out the city of Dallas. Keep keep the Katy Trail going. Keep the lights on. Keep the path maintained. Uh, excellent, excellent inner city trail for anyone that uh, happens to, to find themselves in Dallas for any reason. I've run that trail as well. I, you have. Isn't yeah. it freaking great? It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's like the best inner inner city trail, especially at yeah. night that you could that you could find. So I agree. I agree. Um on my bell lap, I'll give a little treat to everybody that's stuck around. We got Shelby Hulhan on the podcast next week. So big there it mean, is. Yeah, Woo-hoo. yeah, it's it's Pretty a big, big one. It's Pretty a big, big one. So other than that, boys, I wouldn't run faster, but I peaked too early. Oh. Sweatshirts are out. Out. Post Star your pictures. Percent. I'll repost them with you rocking the two crew. I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Sweatshirts. Uh, we'll talk about the donation we're going to make on next week's podcast. Should have said that earlier in the show, but we'll talk about it next week. Other than that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation fire.